Welcome to the Two Grumpy Bastards Podcast, where feelings aren't felt and snowflakes melt. Buckle up, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. These confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc! city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! They painted over ants. Legendary Replacements, my favorite band, Russ, from the 1980s, which is probably not a band you're all that familiar with, but my God, my my, my rebellion nature loved those guys. I am not familiar with them, but as soon as it opened, it sounded like an 80s hair band. No, not 80s hair band at all. They were they were like the precursor to the uh, God. Like, all, all of the great, all of the great bands. I know you and Lee Taylor, fucking talked about Soundgarden sucking and Nirvana sucking. Fuck you. And fuck Lee, by the way, for that. But these guys are the progenitors to the grunge movement that happened in Seattle. Those of you that like Nirvana, don't go... These guys were tough, tough, tough alternative. Go to go 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 down your just some replacements and you'll love it. Paul Westerberg. Those of you who like Nirvana, just because I'm not a big fan, don't go kill yourself, okay? Oh yeah, fuck off. But uh <laughs> But the fact that you don't like Soundgarden, you got to be out of your goddamn mind. That's the what's the greatest alternative band that there ever was. That's just fucking sick. I'm not big into the alternative music. Sorry, uh, I have to. You know, I I grew up here and I was bouncing in the bars back then in the early '90s and stuff like that. And I gotta get to know some of these guys and and well, uh, yeah, it was you're a Seattleite. Fucking- I expect you to enjoy that grunge shit. Fuck, well, the grunt, you're talking grunt shit? It defined a generation, are you kidding me? So the Replacements were an 80s band, and they were way ahead of their time. Um, they're a little bit like R.E.M. before R.E.M. sold out and got commercial. They were just... But Paul Westerberg never sold out, so he probably never became rich. He's probably he's probably like me. He's probably in like a barn loft somewhere with his coonhound fucking drinking cheap wine and fucking, you know, slowly killing himself. Um, well, it was it was but good. It was, it was so goddamn talented. So it talented. was good control on the guitar. I liked that. Um, I, I have to real quick. Did you ever see the Weird Al Yankovic take on Smells Like Teen Spirit? I did. I did. All right. 
Just had to make sure because that was about as good as what Nirvana put out as far as I was concerned. Oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> God, no, don't go fuck yourself. Find somebody to fuck you. Like with a with a with a good old oh, that, bat. That took that took me more than two decades to begin with. Baseball bat. No, fucking Nirvana was genius. It was genius. Soundgarden was so much better though. Uh, Chris Cornell and their sound and oh hell yeah, Spoon Man and um Oh my God, they were so good. That that was. Do you have all their praises on like knitted doilies and stuff? Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Because that's what it's about. Yeah. (laughs) I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I I bounced in a bar where Pearl Jam and Mother Love Bone and uh, Screaming Trees and all those guys, Seattle bands in the early 90s, they all played. I got to tell you, I met Eddie Vedder. I actually did security for him a few times. Fucking really good guy. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Most of these bands were, I can tell you the bands that were Cox, Candlebox, fucking Cox, Alice in Chains, of course Lane Staley died of an overdose, and I gotta tell you, from my personal standpoint, I don't miss him. Just saying. (laughs) 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 The the worst uh, story I've ever heard wasn't about an alternative band, but was about, do you remember the band The Scorpions? Uh, well, of course. I was just having this conversation a few days ago about... So, not to interrupt you, let me, I will let you tell your story, just give you some context. I was in a band in high school that a lot of... Uh, uh, I think all the guys listened to this podcast, and we could play a Scorpion song after listening to it in about five minutes. You listen to it, and you would know the bar chords. The lyrics are so bad. I was actually doing the lyrics for a friend girl the other day, and of uh, Rock You Like a Hurricane. And I'm like, these are actually lyrics because I sang this live. And she's like, really? I'm like, they were German. They didn't know English. Yes. Yeah. Yes, well, go ahead. A, so, please. A friend of mine, a friend of mine who was in Germany um, got like a backstage pass or something. And as the Scorpions were signing shit for their fans, because um, these are American fans mostly coming in, they're bad-mouthing them in German thinking that, you know, no one around understands what the fuck they're talking about. Um, he was like, yeah, they're a bunch of arrogant pricks. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Hey, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to sing it to, cause I don't want to hurt anybody. Um, cause it's been a few years, but let me tell you the first, the first verse of rock you like a hurricane. You ready for this? Of course I am. Are you sure? Cause the lyrics sure. are going to blow you away. It's early rock me morning. Like a hurricane? It's early morning. The sun comes out. Last night was shaken pretty loud. The cout is purring, it scratched my skin. So what is wrong with another sin? The bitch is hungry, she needs to tell. So give her inches and feed her well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those are the lyrics to the first verse of Rocky They sang it in a screechy voice, so it was cool. Yeah, I, I almost lapsed into singing it there for a second. I caught myself. Though. Please don't. Yeah, 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 a buddy of mine posted on Facebook something that did have me singing for a second. Um, it was a, a tribute to uh, the Warrior. It was, was it? Uh, uh, oh, it, he posted some lyrics about uh, you know I am the Warrior, and I found myself singing along to it before I got through the. Oh, you're talking about uh, the uh, the uh, what's her name, Patty? Uh, I am the Warrior. Yeah, her. Yeah, Patty. What the hell is her name? Why can I not pull it off the top? I of my want head? to say LaBelle, but that ain't. I am the warrior. Hot to hot. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's 
That was a, that was an '80s song, brother. That was a totally. Yeah, 80s. I remember when that came out on the. I remember when that came out on MTV. I was at a friend's house because we didn't have enough money to have anything beyond the three major networks right. and the independent right, right. station. So a buddy if of mine had survive, the warrior. For all you guys, folks out there in podcast land, I promise we have plans to talk about something else, but we're having fun being basically a bunch of, you know, bitches right now. <laughs> I, oh, hold on a sec. I, okay, let's stay on this for just a second because I – how the fuck do I not remember her name? It was Patty something. Hold on. I'm, I'm Googling right now in front of you fuckers. Although I found a alternative. Patty Smythe. I win. Yeah, you're right. I thought it was Patty Smythe, but I didn't want to be wrong. Anyway, yeah, that was her only. Uh, she was she was kind of a one hit wonder. She wasn't like Lita Ford, who actually had a background with the Runaways and shit like that. You know, when she she did that uh, went to a party on Saturday night. I didn't get laid and I got in a fight. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, I remember, what was supposed to had a career. Yeah, if you say shooting at the walls of heartache, almost everybody's gonna start singing bang bang. <laughs> What the hell does that even mean? I wonder. I wonder what Patty. I'm gonna have to do some research and get back to you guys on the next podcast. Do some research on what Patty Smythe is doing right now. She probably has one of those Facebook businesses where she tries to sell face creams and shit, or like some weird s- sort of storage unit for food that takes well, out the oxygen. Looks somewhat normal now. Of course, she's almost what 65. She's like 65. Is she? Is she still kind of hot? Um. Is she I a guess sixty-five year old? Is she a gilf? Um, at least. Let's see. <laughs> Mike has a daughter with her first husband, who is named Richard Hell. She met John McEnroe in nineteen ninety-three. Their daughter was born in ninety-five. They married in ninety-seven. Wow, I didn't know that. She's what? married to John McEnroe. She was married to John McEnroe. He is married to John McEnroe. What? Seriously? Seriously. Unless Wikipedia lies to you, and you know nothing on Wikipedia is ever wrong. She's actually married to John McEnroe. That's what this says. That's fucking amazing. I had him in 1993. They have a daughter named Anna. They married in 1997. They have since had another daughter named Ava. And they're still married. John McEnroe is one of the all-time assholes that's ever lived on planet Earth. Oh, I loved him. I rooted for him. Mostly, I think it was was similar to... Uh, I believe it was similar to why I liked the Dallas Cowboys just because everybody in my family rooted for the Steelers in the 70s and they were like the rivals. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys can suck a syphilitic dick and die. I hate him now. At the time, I liked him. But uh, everybody was rooting for Bjorn Borg over John McEnroe, so I I instinctively went with McEnroe and have loved him ever since. I was was a McEnroe fan too, and there's a really good movie that... that With uh, a... Shia Labu. Yeah, that's it. I've seen it. It's good. It's actually really good about that whole thing between him and Bjorn Borg. And I can't remember the actor that plays Bjorn Borg, but it's actually really intense and really good. And I'm not a tennis guy, but that movie was fucking fantastic. In the early 80s, though, tennis had some some strength behind it. It did. It did. It had those, uh, yeah, the Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe's. And then I remember before that was Jimmy Connor. Remember Jimmy, Jimmy Connors Con- came after. Jimmy Connors came after that. Jimmy Connors came with McEnroe after Borg, and then Yvonne Lindell, uh, Andre Agassi, Andre Agassi after that. Boris Becker. That's I, I think when Andre Agassi became the guy. That's when I lost favor with it because it was a dude with a mullet. <laughs> 
was the eighties. Like Everybody had a mullet except me. He was a he was a pre millennial millennial, and I just couldn't I couldn't get into him. Yeah, but he was banging Brooke Shields. I know, I know. I mean, the guy was the guy. No, the guy was legit. Let's let's be honest. The guy was legit. So I have no idea how we got on this topic. I have no idea either. You want to switch to our other topics? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about let's talk about this uh, this horrible human being that's running for um, a congressional seat in Washington State. I had a video that I had downloaded, and I've been trying to play it. Uh, Right up until you and I got online together, and it's just not working on my computer today. I don't know why. Um, but this is a uh, this is a human being called Rebecca Parson, and I, I will play the video eventually, or I'll play other videos because this is a horrible human being who's running for Congress up here in Washington State. And I know Russ, you've you've dipped into this, and it's gotten national attention because um, it's so stupid. That's fact, why it's got national attention. Yeah, she she uh, uh, she was on Jesse Waters. I you know I got to give her props for having the balls to go toe to toe with Waters because Waters is not somebody you want to I, I think no. disagree with because he will shred you. I mean, I mean, Greg Gutfeld will do it humorous with with some humor. Um, Jesse Waters does it without humor, in my opinion. He just well, I think he does it with what he thinks of as humor, but it actually turns out to be nothing but really mean. Oh, Jesse Waters is a smug fucking asshole. Oh, and I love it. That's one of the reasons. But I, I do love it. too. I do too because he's right, and he knows he's a smug fucking asshole, and that's why he calls it Waters World, his show. And uh, he's 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 a smug fuck. Um, where I think Greg Gutfeld is more coming across as humorous, and you know, like, Greg Gutfeld is more of a comedian doing politics. Yeah, I've met I've met Greg Gutfeld. I met him when he came down here to Memphis. He's actually he's actually a short person yeah he he's is about, he's about my height which i'm a short person he is a short person what's funny is he used to write for like i think it was men's health he was the i don't remember something like that yeah but he's like a total fitness guru which you would never see yeah. looking at him because he looks like a disney character a little bit um but he's actually a stud physically he's a stud. Oh, he was he was he was jack he he's wearing a t-shirt and then I mean, his arms he looked ripped Oh no, he's ripped. I mean, he's no, he's totally into the fitness and stuff like that. But the guy's also brilliant and funny. Jesse Waters is more just kind of a cock, um, which I'm okay with, by the way. Um, uh, you know, when you watch him and you realize how right he is about stuff and his smugness and his cockiness, you go, okay, now I can accept that. You know, you and I have friends like that. Like, for instance, I'm friends with you. I'm saying so. You have so a more like that just by nature. So. <laughs> Just smug cocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with you, and you know that about me. So no. Anyway, let me uh, let me just go over the highlights uh, that what she's proposing. Um, I'm I'm gonna read you a little bit from uh, um, since I couldn't get that video to work, which I'm really sad about. But we'll figure it out for the next one because this is somebody that I want our listeners to key on, especially up here. You know, we have a lot of podcast listeners up here in Washington State, folks that know me or or whatever um you know i've i've been interviewed on a couple of spots up here um and so i i really want people to key on this because i want people to do everything they can to fuck with this human being hey real quick but, but yeah go ahead move on i i do need to make sure everybody knows because i just looked it up i'm actually taller than greg gutfeld are you really by almost three inches jesus so, christ i knew he was little i didn't know he was that little he's five five hmm so I, I want to make sure it's out there that I have three inches on Gutfeld. It's the best three inches you'll ever That's have. That's good to know. I think Jesse Waters is like normal height, probably. 
He's, I think he's somewhat taller. But five eleven ish, probably looking looking at him. But I don't know. Anyway, I like me some Jesse Waters. I think he's awesome. But he interviewed uh, Rebecca Parson. She's a Democratic Socialist running for Congress up here in Washington State, and the district that she represents is is uh, encompasses Tacoma, Washington, a city that a lot of people are familiar with because Fort Lewis is just to the south and it's south of Seattle. Tacoma has been um, a holdout against the left-left bullshit that's been going on in Seattle, although it's been slipping. It's been slipping down the slope, but it has been a bit of a holdout. I think Tacoma is still maintains, but we call it Grit City. It maintains a bit of a, a blue, blue-collar attitude. And I'm sorry if you're getting feedback noise. It's raining so hard here that I can barely hear myself talk. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. Now, I think Tacoma maintains... Yeah, welcome to June in Washington State, by the way. I think Tacoma hey. maintains some of that grit uh, because it's so close to Fort Lewis. Yeah, yeah. And um, let me let me just let me just. Um, it's a sixth congressional. Uh, I apologize. <clears throat> got my voice cut up there. Sixth congressional district. Um, she's got a very controversial campaign, and she's saying that any house that's owned by banks and corporations like Zillow or BackRock, or that is not currently being occupied, should be forcibly occupied by homeless. Here's what she says, and I can I can give you the facts that completely fucking blow this away. I'm just pointing out the fact that there are 600,000 homeless people living in this country. 40,000 homeless veterans and one in five homeless people are kids. Meanwhile, we have 28 empty homes for every homeless person. So I'm calling on all of us to think about the empty homes that are owned by corporations like BlackRock, like Zillow, like the banks that are owned by these companies, those large corporations not being what they're intended for, which is actually housing people. She uh, was a prior spokesman for a group called Tacoma Housing Now, which um, organized a group of homeless people to put them in 16 rooms in a motel in Fife, and I actually know the motel. And the deal was, she paid for one night, but then she told them all, just stay here. They're not going to kick you out. Law enforcement will kick you out. Um, she's advocating thievery. What's that? She's advocating thievery. Yeah, she's adv- advocating thievery. Um, and, and she's also very, very, very about uh, the homeless in- immigrants. Um, she, says, uh, she says that... Uh, we don't believe in ICE. We've managed them. If you come and squat on a house here, we'll make sure ICE doesn't get your name or number or know who you are. She also says there there are... Why do we have veterans sleeping on the street who serve the country and they can't find a place to live? So I'm asking people about this situation. So let's... And I'm just brushing the brush on this because as she runs, I think we should cover her because... Here's the thing. Rental and housing prices in this country are out of control. They are. I get that. I get that. And it's tough if you're coming from a low-income place to find a place to live. But I can tell you, um, through experience in my professional realm, if you are low-income and you're looking for a low-income 
rental place to live, even if you have a felony and all those kind of things, there are plenty of places that will rent to you because a lot of these places are not allowed to do background checks, okay? Nor are they allowed to do a first and month's rent. They actually, there's, there's thousands of places out there that do that. Let's, let's take this a step forward here too. She is completely lying about the number of homeless veterans. For every one homeless veteran, there are seven places waiting for them to come in. The problem is that these homeless veterans have to give up drugs to do it. That's the deal. You get drug tested in most of these programs and most of these opportunities. Drug or alcohol tested. Um, and a lot of people aren't willing to give that up. The homeless problem is not a problem of a roof. The homeless problem is a problem of mental health, including uh, drug and alcohol, mental disorders, which are mental health disorders. And she's advocating literally violent physical takeovers by homeless to just move in these places and refuse to, to move. The problem is that her prompting of this up here in Washington State and on the West Coast will probably mean these people won't get evicted because there is such a soft touch with the police up here now, dude, with, you know, the defund the police and all this other stuff going on. We The police here no longer pursue people for traffic infractions if they take off. Governor Inslee made sure of that happening. They no longer pursue people. So if you have a traffic infraction and a cop tries to pull you over and you take off, they will not pursue you. That's actually true. That makes the road safe. Yep. Keep the road safe. <laughs> yeah, because some somebody, you know, look, people make mistakes and all that shit, but own up to it. And, yeah, the roads are really safe with somebody racing away from some from some crime that they just committed. Not only that, we're, we're feeling the same fucking crime urge that a lot of people are feeling in California where the cops up here won't respond to theft or 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 minor assaults or anything like that anymore. They just won't respond to it. Um, so this leftist bitch comes in and she just says, yeah, I said it, folks. I said it. Leftist bitch comes in, who's not even from here, by the way. She comes in and says, hey, homeless people, just, just occupy a home. They won't kick you out. They don't have any legal means to do that. Look, I think the housing market and I think the conglomerate of builders and realtors and all this stuff and all the market stuff is bullshit. I do. I think affordable housing should be something the government keeps their eye on. I'm a libertarian, but I think there is there is there is some merit to that. I do. I don't know how that works. I don't have a program for it. I don't. But I can tell you this. I can tell you this. If somebody is homeless and they want a place to get off the street, there are a bunch of options. The problem is you got to give up your drugs and you got to give up the booze to do it in a lot of these places. Now, the government, now we, we have this thing. I uh, incidentally stayed, when Huck and I were on the road last summer, we incidentally stayed in a couple of hotels. And 90% of the hotel was taken up by obviously homeless people that the government was paying for to live there. And it was grotesque. And these were formerly nice hotels that have all these wings and, you know, and, and my thing was, okay, I mean, I guess if these hotels aren't making the money and aren't filling up, I'm cool with that. But who's doing the drug testing? Who's making sure these hotels are safe? And I got to tell you, I was on constant alert. There was people always prowling the parking lot, trying to break into people's cars. It, it was a zoo. It was a fucking zoo. 
There's an answer. I got the answer to the homeless problem if anybody would ever fucking listen to me. I do. This isn't it. This isn't it. And I really, 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 really want to highlight... Uh, I'm, I'm being blonde, but what the hell's her name again? With the socialist leftist bitch? Yes. Uh, Rebecca Parsons. There it is. Sorry. I was going to say Becky, but... I- Rebecca, yeah. Yeah, well, if she was if she was Becky, I could actually tolerate her, but Rebecca Parson. So, anyway, that's what's going on. I know you've heard a little bit of on the national news and I'm I apologize to our listeners I couldn't get that video up, but uh, it's just not working on my computer today. Um, well, I do have a few thoughts. First of all, shocker. If, if she, I know, um, if she is so intent on more affordable housing, one of the things that they could do is overhaul the zoning regulations. Um, there are lots of leftist cities, Seattle being one of them, where the zoning regulations prevent uh, a lot of units from being built. And that constricts the supply. When the supply of housing is constricted, the prices go up. That's basic economics. That's just what happens. Um, regarding the homeless situation, you, you hit it on the head. There are basically, you can categorize the homeless into three categories, basically. First, they're the mentally ill. And these people, uh, a lot of them could function normally in society if they were forced to take their medication. Um, Some of them need to be involuntarily committed, but the ACLU and others have come in and said, no, they have the right to be mentally ill. You can't forcibly commit them. You can't make them take their medication that would allow them to be competent in society. So until we can deal uh, with the mental health problem, there's going to be a certain segment that's always going to be out there. The segment that you hit was the drug problem. Um, for some of the, these folks, forced rehabilitation is an answer. And we're talking tough love here. All right. If you can't stay off the drugs, if you can't stay off, of, uh, whatever it is. And look, I, I know some folks out there are really big into weed being legal, but let me say when Colorado legalized weed, I saw how Colorado Springs changed between when I was there in 2015 and when I was there in 2019, the homeless population had exploded because they all flocked to Colorado uh, for the weed, and then they couldn't afford houses anymore. They couldn't afford to live, uh, houses, apartments, whatever. They couldn't afford right. to live. Right, right, right. So you're spending all your money on drugs. You're incompetent because of the drugs. It's a danger because of the drugs. You got to get people off the drugs. You got to get them into forced rehabilitation. I know that sounds ugly. I know people don't like that, but if you don't like it, then don't bitch at me about it. Okay. One of the ways that, that cops quote unquote solve the homeless issue is they're not putting people up for the night. There are places like that, but they're moving them out of their jurisdictions because then they're someone else's problem. As long as they're not in my city, most folks don't care. Um, and then the third category of homeless people, and this is going to sound harsh are those that choose. And yes, I do mean choose to be homeless. Yes, there are, the rare sad cases of folks who are temporarily down, temporarily down in their luck. But there are also people who will not seek out family, will not seek out the homeless shelters, will beg on street corners. There are some that I have seen who even like the, the quote unquote freedom of being homeless. Um, so you can try and put, you can try and tell them to, to take over whatever you want. It's, it reminds me of when I was in Saudi Arabia, uh, where I stayed was at a place called Escon Village. For those who don't know, and you'll understand the, the 
the point of this in a second, but Escon Village was built in the late 70s by the Saudi government for the Bedouins. They decided every Bedouin should have a home. The Bedouins moved in, and then like a month later, they moved out and decided they didn't like homes. Um, well, it, it's there are a lot of homeless uh, that that falls into. They don't like being tied down to things. They like being able to move around. That does not create societal stability. Uh, let's just even assume for a second that this forced uh, takeover of homes was even viable, and I'll address that in a second. Um, a lot of homeless will stay there for a month, two months, and then want to go somewhere else. Um, it draws in drugs. It draws in prostitution. Um, it, it draws in some of the worst elements, some of the crazy people, and it, it's just not a viable alternative. Now, regarding the taking over of homes that uh, Madam Rebecca is so fond of, that's private property. Um, they, she could say that, well, you know, the police won't enforce it. You know what will enforce it? A three fifty seven Magnum, all right? Uh, a nine mil when it's not blowing your lungs out, according to Joe Biden. Um, right, which if, we'll if get to, which we'll get to here soon. Yeah, if if that's my property, I will make sure that I protect my property. I don't give a shit what you think you're entitled to. You are you are not entitled to steal from someone. People put money into building those homes. People are awaiting renters. They're trying to sell those homes so they can recoup their money or make a profit. It's not like these things just magically came out of the air. Um, it, what it sounds like is she's one of these socialist utopians that doesn't understand how the real world works and thinks that unicorn farts and fairy dust are what creates society rather than hard work, rather than the voluntary exchange of goods and services and labor through the capitalist system. And it sounds like she's lazy, like she is upset that the world is not the way that she wants it to be. And she wants to advocate uh, lawlessness to solve it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And she's missing a lot of key points that you brought up. One of the things that I think is missing here is this philosophical feeling of if you don't own it, then you don't respect it. If, if it's something that's given to you, you know, if somebody gives you a hundred bucks, you go out and, you know, if it was me, I'd be snorting lines off a hooker's ass. Kidding. No. There's a visual I didn't need. Yeah, that's a pretty good visual, actually. But if somebody gives it to you and you get it for free and you don't get it out of what you earn, you don't respect it. And you see it all the time. You know, a kid gets grandma's car and fucking races the shit out of it and wrecks it and doesn't give a fuck. You know, there's a million, million versions of that throughout life. We go to a store. My daughter is much more conscientious about spending her own money than if dad says he'll buy her something. Right. Of Yeah, right. Exactly. And you got the ATM mentality now in the world where people understand where their money comes from. And the thing about homelessness is, you know, they... God bless America. We try. We do. We, get, we do the tiny homes and we do this and we do that. The bottom line is people... I think the vast majority of homeless people... As you brought up, the vast majority, and I don't think this actually, I, I have stats to back me up, they're, one, they're, they're, they're not people that got put out because of the economy or some atrocious thing. They're, they're addicted or they like the lifestyle of not having to have responsibility for anything or anybody or any time. And I know these people. I know these people in my line of work. I know them. These are the people that say, 
you know, it's a it's a victimless crime if I go into Safeway and I steal a bottle of vodka and I sell it for twenty bucks out front. It's a victimless crime because they upcharge everybody anyway. That's the mentality right there. Victimless crime, really. That's why if I wanted to buy that bottle of vodka, I have to pay thirty-eight bucks instead of twenty bucks because of cunts like you. Because of pieces of shit like you. And look, if you don't have the means to take care of yourself and you really don't, there are a million programs in this country that are there for you. Like I said, for every homeless vet, there's 40 beds waiting for them if they want it. That's actually a true thing, bro. I've done my studies. I have my educational background. The vet bed to acceptance ratio, it's like, oh, it's going to take me three years to get into it. No, it's not. No, it's not. Believe me, you can find if you want if you want to change your life, get out of this homeless situation, and uh, uh, there are counselors. We can find you someplace on the West Coast within two weeks. Trust me, that's that's true. But a lot of these guys, you know, they want to be able to smoke their pot, and I get that. That's fine, or or do their heroin, or keep drinking, and that's not an option if you go into one of these places. So, what's more important to you? You know, and, and, and I get that. I get it. I get it. And with some people, the addiction is what what rules them or just the idea of I don't have to answer anybody anytime. I can pitch my tent and shit in a hole and, you know, go beg on the street and I make more money doing that than I would in some other enough to pay taxes. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Here's my thing. What about the majority? Who has who has compassion for the majority? And by the majority, I mean people that pay their taxes, people that go to work, people that are trying to do the right thing and have to deal with this human refuse. And, oh, I'm so discompassionate because I – no, I do care. I do care about these people. But would you let your child do that? Would you let your child do that? Uh, would you let your child live in that kind of a, a, a situation? So why would you let your feral, you know, and and being a libertarian, people might say, well, just let them do what they want. (laughs) Fuck off. A big part of libertarianism is doing the right thing for the right reason. And no, I don't want to see people living on a goddamn sidewalk because they can. I'll give you a choice. I'll give you a goddamn bus ticket back to wherever you came from. You can go to mental health um, uh, treatment uh, for 30 days or you can go to jail. Those are your three choices. I'll give you fucking 24 hours to figure it out. That's it. That's yep. it. I'd make it that simple. I would make it that fucking simple. I would. Because you're not living here on this private property. You're not doing that. Because this isn't good for you. And it's not fair to the people that pay the fucking taxes of all these places that you shit up and you drop your needles on and all that other stuff. And I'm sorry. Well, and one, one other thing she doesn't seem to understand, when, when all those homes they occupy fall into disrepair... Right. Where are they going to go? Because no one's going to build new homes when people are just going to come occupy them and they're not going to get any recompense. Well, I'm people sure they have skill sets and tools and they, they clean up after themselves and I'm sure it's all great. They have vacuums and stuff. Yeah, they're holding cocktail parties on you know Friday nights. Yeah, right. Cheese and fucking, you know, a nice salame and all that. Yeah, yeah whatever. Cute, cute no. cheese on little toothpicks and cocktail weenies. Listen, listen, what what I'm about is about solutions, not about fight. I got into it with one of our leftist followers recently about this situation. And I'm apparently a cruel motherfucker because I think that every one of these people that has a tent in L.A. and all that stuff should have their tent burnt. And they have 
uh, 24 hours to make a choice. Either have one of these three things happen to you, but I'm cruel. But who's crueler? The person that fucking allows that to keep happening to allow these people to keep living that way or me. No, I, I agree with you completely. There was a program, I believe it actually was in LA a couple of decades ago, where they were somebody was going to go around and, and give the homeless people free shopping carts so they could hold their stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> imagine the compassion in that. I love you so much. Here's a shopping cart. Yeah, I want you to continue to living in the shit, squalor, horrible, unhygienic, and non-medical place that you're living right now. That's what I want to do. Instead of putting you in a program, and and let me tell you, prevention programs work. People that go into drug and rehab places, it works. It works really, really well. And I can give you stats on some other pod somewhere down the line, but it works. If you go get clean and then you start figuring shit out, things work. If you get psyche... Look, let let me say this. The mental health... Uh, access in this country fucking blows. It blows. It's fucking terrible. To try to get mental health um, intervention in this country sucks. You pretty much have to do some crazy shit and go into an ER if you're in their situation to get any help at all. I get that. I get that. Even in even in the fucking uh, VA and all that stuff, it sucks. We're way behind and we need to make some some strides in that. But you know what? I'd be happy to help any motherfucker who says, yep, I'm going to get off the streets and I need some help and point them in the right direction because there's a and million most, resources out there. Yeah, and most folks will do that. Most folks will have the compassion to try to help people that actually Absolutely. are willing to work for it. But my compassion, like I said, I want to help the helpless, but I don't give two shits about the clueless. Yeah. No, it's a good point. It's a good way to put it. Let's move on, bro. Hey, why don't you bring us up to date on, on the Texas shooting and your thoughts on that? Okay, well, um, as everybody knows, there was a massacre in Uvalde, Texas, which I believe is outside of San Antonio, uh, uh, last week. Um, 19 kids and two adults were shot to death by an 18-year-old monster whose name I will not mention because I don't want to give him any extra publicity by giving him some kind of you know attention for doing this. Um, he, uh, he shot his grandmother in the face beforehand. He was upset because, uh, they weren't getting along for some reason. I don't know the exact reason why I'm sure I could, you know, Google it. But, uh, so he, he then drove, he, he posted on social media that he was going to go shoot up a school. He drove to a school. He crashed through the fence. He spent 12 minutes outside, uh, shooting at people outside of a nursing home, um, he then went into the school and started shooting children. Uh, police uh, waited outside of the barricaded room for an hour before acting. And even then, it wasn't police that acted. It was an off-duty Border Patrol agent who finally went in and ended the situation. Uh, there, I want to debunk a couple of myths real quick. First of all, some of the folks say, well, good guys with a gun wouldn't help because a school resource officer engaged with him beforehand uh, before he was shooting. That's been completely shown to be bullshit. Nobody engaged with this guy before he went into school. Uh, It was, there were no school resource officers uh, anywhere close to him. Nobody exchanged gunfire with him at that point. Uh, There was, this guy got into the school by going in through an unlocked door that I believe had been propped open. Uh, As the police were outside of the room, 
uh, at least during the first little bit, this gunman continued to shoot children. Uh, one of the kids pulled one of her friend's bodies on top of herself and smeared herself with blood so she would survive because the gunman thought she was dead. There were frantic calls from inside the school calling 911 during that hour, begging the police to come in. I, first of all, this monster is going to be burning in hell, and I'm, I'm glad that he's dead and saves us the, the grief of a trial. I have no problem with that. And the only thing, the only other thing that would have been even better is if someone had lined him up against a wall after capturing him and shot him in the face. But uh, the police in Uvalde, Texas, have done more damage to the reputation of law enforcement by their actions than all the screeching of Antifa in the last couple of years. They are cowards and they should all resign. From the chief of police who made the call to tell his officers not to go in to the wretched puke yellow bellied bastards who didn't tell the chief to go fuck himself and go in anyway. Um, Now, look, I know that before Newtown that the the protocol was to create a perimeter and try to negotiate with the uh, the animal to try to get him out. Since Newtown, however, the protocols have changed. And you are supposed to go in after this guy. Now, the, the, the police chief down there was on CNN. Obviously, this guy was not ready for prime time and not ready for network news. And when asked why he didn't order his officers in, he said it's because they could have been shot. Well, genius, that is your fucking job. You are to one of the reasons we hold police in such high regard is because they rush towards the sound of the gunfire in theory. OK, that is you get paid to get shot at. You get paid to risk your life to save innocent people, especially innocent children. Um, now, maybe this is only a, a trump card I hold or someone like you you hold. But some folks have tried to say to me, well, Russ, you wouldn't have rushed in there. No, motherfucker, I would have. I have gone towards the sound of the gunfire. I was in the invasion of Iraq. I deployed three times. I have headed into combat knowing there were people trying to kill me. And that was without the extra incentive of needing to save the lives of innocent eight, nine, and 10-year-old children. Um, I, I cannot even describe the disgust I have with the police down there. Now, there's a whole bunch of ancillary issues that have come out of this. We could talk about everything from Canada going full on tyranny by saying they're going to ban the sale of handguns throughout Canada to Joe Biden both getting history wrong, saying you couldn't buy a cannon. Well, the fuck does he think a privateer was or a letter of marquee and reprisal in the Constitution? Or the 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 father of the uh, artillery, which we have a famous Ford fort named after, who bought all the cannonry. Oh, yeah. by the way, out of his own private private stash. Or telling people that a nine mil is going to blow your lung out. <clears throat> Look, people give nine mils grief precisely because they don't have stopping power. They do have some. Don't get me wrong. They've got some stopping power, but it's kind of a joke about the. They don't have the stopping power of a lot of other stuff. And then folks claiming that an AR-15 is going to, you know, blow your head off. These people don't know what they're talking about with guns. 
Let me so let me address let me address that too because in that same sentence where he was talking about the cannon, he also talked about a twenty-two round not being lethal. For those of you motherfuckers who understand what calibers and rounds are about, the two-two-three that fires out of a five that five-five-six millimeter two-two-three caliber that fires out of the M sixteen M four the rifle we've used since the late sixties is basically a twenty-two round. It's basically a twenty-two round jacked up a little bit. To to provide velocity. It's not a big round. Everybody knows. You see the bullets. They're pretty tiny. But what happens is they go through really fast. Yeah. And they tumble and they and they do destruction. So it has nothing to goddamn. Now you know when I carried a sidearm, I always had a forty-five because I felt that was a little more badass. I didn't. I think nine millimeters of fucking pussy round and the forty. Yeah, whatever. I'm into the the forty-five ACP. Kimbers. That's what I always carried on my sidearm when I carried concealed, because I knew if I if I thump somebody with, but that's a totally different thing. That's a totally different thing. We're talking about a different realm. So he doesn't know what he's fucking talking about. That's that's well, the big thing. I, we'll get we'll get back to the. Just I want to touch on real quick before we go into the Second Amendment. Just the disgust I have with the Uvalde Police Department. They should all resign. They shall be fired. Um, yeah. The first reports were wrong. I'm not the, disagreeing with you on that. The, the border patrol guy who went in there on his own is a hero. Um, and I'm glad that he killed the motherfucker. Now, regarding the Second Amendment, a lot of people on the gun control side misunderstand it. First of all, they try to use the prefatory clause about well-regulated militia to claim that it's a group right for the National Guard, as if somehow that's the that out of all of the 10 amendments, with the exception of the states' rights amendment number 10, all the other amendments talk about individual rights, but the Second Amendment is somehow a group right. Yeah, that doesn't compute. They also don't understand what a militia is. Militia is not National Guard. Militia is not military. Militia is the armed citizenry. During the Revolutionary War times, you didn't have enough soldiers, so you went down the street. Farmer Bob would grab his rifle off the mantelpiece, fire two or three shots for God and country, and go home. They wanted the population armed. The, uh, the first major engagement of the Revolutionary War after the – uh, Lexington and Concord after after we withdrew those were all private citizens yep. with their own private rifles so that's what a militia was uh, that's and the then they, that's the way that that's the way it was framed in the constitution they remembered Lexington and Concord and how they stopped the British butt cold after even though drinking in a pub all day and all that kind of shit but when the British were heading back to their their little uh, their little redoubt, they sniped them from those rock walls. That's what it was all framed on. That we make sure these men have the rifles to defend their homes and their families. And then they they focus on the well regulated part, not understanding that well regulated at the time the amendment was written had a different meaning than than today. It didn't mean regulated. It did not mean regulations. It didn't mean controlled. Well regulated meant in good working order. It meant you need to make sure your guns are operational. Second thing, it was, an, it was a prefatory clause to justify the action clause, which is the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I don't know what is unclear about shall not be infringed. People say, well, they didn't have you know high capacity weapons back then. What the hell did they think the puckle gun was? It was a repeater. Um, and then one thing, and I'm they not advocating- cannons. They I'm had simply, cannons, by the way, Joe Biden. They had cannons. Yeah. You could um, buy one. I want to make this clear that I'm not advocating. I am telling you what would happen if you tried this mass confiscation that some people are now trying to say out loud. All right. There are 
about 130 million gun owners in the United States. If they passed a law that said you had to turn in all your weapons. And I heard I heard half a million guns was the latest the latest half a billion. You're incredibly right. Half a billion. Thank you. Five hundred million guns. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you pass the law and 90 percent of those with guns turn them in. And then through threats, intimidations and other tactics, you got another 90 percent to turn them in. You are now dealing with one point three million heavily armed people willing to fight and die for this. Okay, there are only 800,000 police in the country, and that's assuming they all decide to go along with this nonsense. Some folks have said, well, are you going to take on the government with just your rifle? That's not you can't do that. Well, you know, I think that a few Minutemen might disagree with you since, you know, we took on the greatest empire in the history of the world up to that point. Uh, the Viet- the Vietnamese might disagree with that. Right. You know, some folks say- in Afghanistan might disagree with that. There's a lot of modern, a lot of modern modalities that will tell you that um, what's going on in Ukraine. Um, you know, a a armed militia without the technology, with the with the know how and the fucking spirit of fight, can take on. Yeah, yeah. Joe Biden brought it up. Were they going to have F-18s and M1 Abram tanks? Uh, no, but those are. Pretty goddamn easy to defeat. I'll tell you what, if any M1 tanks and any anybody rolled into my hometown where I grew up in Mineral, Washington, it'd be a bloodbath and it wouldn't go the military's way. Trust me. Yeah, and again, my my guess, and I could be wrong, but my guess is, let's say something like that did kick off. I believe about 40% of the military would probably go along with it. I think there's another 35% that would simply lay down their guns and go home. And I think there's about 25% that would probably actively oppose it. You're talking about a no shit civil war. Um, we seem to, and you're listening to a bunch of folks now say that, well, we will get rid of the filibuster and pack the Supreme court to make this happen. I'm like, dudes, that's a civil war. Some of you fuckers have never been in an actual war. And I guarantee you, I don't want this to happen. That's why I'm pleading so much on this. A civil war inside the United States is not going to have any rules of engagement, folks, especially not today. We're all intermixed. It's not geographic like in 1861. Okay, this would be really bad for all of us. I mean, I wrote an entire book about how bad this would be. It would be. Listen, listen, in my county where I live in Lewis County, which is a logging and farming town, and all the boys up there know how to shoot and kill elk and do all that kind of thing, you will never take Lewis County. You won't take it. It, it would be ugly. You would never take it. You just wouldn't. There's too many tough boys who know how to shoot, who know how to fucking live in the woods and all that kind of thing. You'd never. I don't care what you'd send in there. You'd never take it. And none of this is to take away from the tragedy that happened at Rob Elementary School. I get really sick and tired, though, of two things. Number one, politicians and advocates standing on the bodies of dead children to try to shout their points the way Beto O'Rourke did. Yep. And the other thing I get tired of is a whole bunch of people Fucking claiming that because they want to confiscate guns and that I don't agree that we should do that, they care more about this than I do. I've made this point on Facebook, on social media a couple of times in a couple of different places. Look, I have I have actually comforted, cradled and consoled children who have been maimed and tortured. I have tried, you know, dealing with the parents of children 
of children. They're begging us to take care of their kids who were slit open from one side of their chest to the other. I've dealt with the orphans because their parents were gassed. And I get sick and tired of a bunch of self-righteous assholes telling me that they're that they care more about kids than I do because they're upset about what they've seen on the news that I've seen in person. They what they need to do is they need to shut the fuck up, put their money where their mouth is and go deal with these situations in person. Okay, it's real easy to advocate for bullshit from behind high walls and gated communities instead of getting off your ass and going down and going down and doing something. Okay, I wish I had been down in Uvalde because I'd have tried to do something in order to to stop that madman. The police down there should all resign. They're a disgrace. And I would hope one of the again, I I hope that most of the police in our country are not that kind of cowards. Okay, the the cops that stood outside and the chief told them not to go in. That's that is a career moment. That's the kind of moment where you say, fuck it. I don't care what he says. We're going in anyway, because there are kids dying and you get paid to stop that from happening. Um, I'm going to try to stop ranting now. I think I've run the gamut on this, but you know how I I feel about this. I get tired of people polarizing our country because they can't control everything in the world and the world can be an evil place. I get it. And to punish the 99.999% of the people that are law abiding when you don't have a plan in place that encompasses the other one is fucking it's, it's socialism. It's the tail wagging the dog. It's everything bad about what people think. You don't punish law abiding citizens because non law abiding citizens do stuff. You don't do that. That is, that is the first line in where if you think you're a democratic country or a a law-abiding country where you go, oh, I'm going to let the tail wag the dog. And this has been my point being a libertarian for my entire adult life. Like, oh, okay, 000.1% of the planet thinks they're transsexual, so we need to let them in bathrooms. No! Quit letting the fucking little tail wag the huge dog. Figure something out. Be compassionate, be kind, but figure something out. And yeah. and you should never let the delusional or insane or evil people in your country establish policy. And I mean that sincerely. And that, that is from my libertarian heart. You don't. So, no, we don't need to establish bathrooms. We don't need to do this bullshit, and we don't need to take away guns from law-abiding citizens who've never committed a crime in their life. Yeah, that's let's ins- remember that's insane. That just makes things worse. Yeah. Well, let's remember that the areas of the country that have the, stri- the strictest gun control laws, like Chicago and D.C. and New York, also have the highest rates of gun crime. Yeah. Gee, go uh, that's on a per capita basis, not just on a raw basis. Right. Go figure. Uh, and and look, I know I sound nutty to some people when I bring this up, but you know, assuming that our government is never going to go tyrannical. I mean, did, did we not see how they dipped their toe in that water during COVID-19? Right. All right look, I, I've seen a movie where only the police and the military were allowed to have weapons. It's called Schindler's List. Do you think six million Jews and five million other ethnic uh, minorities and so-called undesirables would have willingly marched into boxcars if they had been armed? All right. The whole point is so that you can defend yourself, at least have a fighting chance of some kind. I mean, shit, it was less than two years ago that the left was telling us that Trump was a dictator who wasn't going to leave office. And now you want to give up your weapons? I mean, shit. Right. So now, now, they now about that. 
Now you have trust in a government that has clearly defined itself by being incompetent. You you trust a government that that says that oh we got you and we're going to do this that has done absolutely nothing right and has made this country worse in every metric that you can possibly possibly measure. Seriously. Yeah. Are you fucking out of your fucking minds with this? Look, look. This is uh, what happened in Texas is emotional. It's terrible. It tears me up. I can tell you when Sandy Hook happened, I got drunk as a fuck and I yelled at God for like six hours. I'm like, why didn't you send me there, you motherfucker? I could have stopped it. I don't care about my life. Fuck you. I got that emotional about it. I get it. I get the emotion. But you don't, as you have said, and I agree with you, you don't legislate on emotional reactions. You don't do that. And so you want to go after assault weapons? Fuck. First of all, define an assault weapon. Yeah, yeah, define an assault weapon. There's no such thing. It's a big, black, scary-looking rifle. Yeah, there's no such thing, by the way. And, and, you know, Canada just wants to confiscate handguns and all that. And I, I watched that little fucking pussy. Uh, talk about it in in Parliament about you know with his cute little hair and his and his and he looks like Mumford and Sons fucking lead singer or whatever fucking I hate that guy I hate that guy yeah he he needs number, to be put out of office no, number one guy I wanna, balls number one guy I want to fist fight on planet Earth might be Justin Trudeau it might be it, he would last like three seconds and and he's such a fucking pussy and it's like no. That's not the solution. You don't take away the rights of people that that are law-abiding in order to counter things that are bad. That's not what you do in a democracy. Yeah. That I can't stress that enough to people that are listening. You don't take away the rights of law-abiding citizens because other people are not law-abiding. You don't do that. That is not the way you handle a democracy. You run a republic. It's not. Yeah. And it fucking and, and, pisses me off so bad, Russ. Oh, my yeah. God. I, I, my, I, it, it gets my live free or die fucking stuff all in a huff. I'm telling you. Yeah, it it pisses me off, too. It's it's also dangerous. Like I said, I, look, some of us have been to war. I, we're barreling that way. God, I wish we weren't. I wrote a whole book on how bad it can get. and it's, It can get real. Real bad, real fast. Go ahead, go ahead and pip that while you're talking about it. Yeah, it's, it's called Schism. It's under the name R.D. Meyer. It is not an advocacy book on either on either the right or the left. It is simply a cautionary tale to let you know how bad it can get. Um, regarding the uh, – I, I had another point I was going to make regarding – oh, yeah, with Canada and and the gun registry and, and confiscation and all that other stuff. I mean, like you said, law-abiding – you know, those who are breaking the law – they're going to break the law. We had 50,000 felons last year try to buy a gun when they weren't legally authorized to do so. So they got denied a gun. That's fine. We prosecuted less than 1,000 of them. Okay? If What good are the laws that we have on the books if we're not going to follow those laws? I got um, no problem. I got no problem with laws on the books that say certain people shouldn't have guns. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm I'm I was a lifetime NRA member and all that stuff and I grew up with guns and all that stuff. I got no problem with that. I got no problem with honest people should be able to have guns at their leisure and people that have done certain things should not. I got no problem with that. I zero. Yeah. But we got to be 
we got to be cautious about some of the laws we pass. Now I remember one point I was going to make. First of all, let's not forget that, you know, all right, laws made in haste and out of emotion usually end up being bad. We passed the Patriot Act in emotional haste right after 9-11, and now we've got the CIA listening to the phone calls of American citizens. Yeah, well, okay. Barack, Barack Obama used it to uh, tap into his Republican uh, contraries. That's that's actually yeah. – that's that's truth. That's not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. So let, let's not pass let's not pass laws in haste. Um, now there are some things that I'm I'm fine with as long as we have protections for due process. You know, DVROs, right. red flag laws. Again, protections for due process, where the presumption is you can still get your gun back. Uh, it, they have to prove that you are a danger. That's also going to need to come along with other things like involuntary committal of those who are mentally ill. That kind of stuff. Um, there is one thing I've heard bandied about. I want to make sure that we feel that right now. And that is folks who say, well, if you're on the terrorist watch list, then you shouldn't be allowed a gun. Folks, let me tell you, the terrorist watch list, the, the no-fly list, it is an administrative list that has no legislative or judicial oversight. There is no way to know you are on it until you try to fly. There is no appeals process to get off of it. And in our country, you don't lose rights based on somebody's hunch. You lose rights only through due process. If you have enough evidence against me to deny me an enumerated constitutional right, then arrest me and charge me in court, all right? I mean, there have been 10-year-olds that have ended up on the no-fly list because their name was similar to a terrorist in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. All right, anyway, that's that's my my rant. my, My heart goes to families in Uvalde. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what that's like right now. I think that and I've been very careful about this because I'm a second amendment pro- proponent and I don't think this does anything to shoot that down. But at a time like this, I haven't been putting anything out or anything like that. People are hurting. They lost their kids. They lost their wives. They lost, uh, oh my God. And it's horrific. And like I said, measured legislation is fine with me. I don't think there's anything wrong with the. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with the laws on the books. Yeah, look, what I, I think is wrong, Russ. Russ, and I'll go back to this, and and I we didn't get into this is, um, you know, being a libertarian, it's tough for me to admit this, but I think at some point this kid was a disturbed motherfucker. And there was a lot of warning signs, and he didn't pop to the list of people that we should be watching out for. Now, I also think when a kid does it, I don't care that he's 18, you got to start looking at the parents. You got to. You have to start looking at the parents and going, what went wrong? What did we do? And what did we not see as a society? And that's, that's where my softer side that you and I probably clash on. My liberal side goes, well, this kid needed mental health counseling. He needed intervention. He needed well, a look, ton of look at also, he came from a single parent home and he was living with his grandmother. His right. grandfather had enough criminal convictions. He couldn't live in a home with guns. Um, so a clerical error at the very least, if, if he listed his grandmother's address on the background check form, it should have raised a flag but because there wasn't a clerical error or because there wasn't a clerical uh, note on there about that. It allowed the purchase to go through. Um, 
Look, I, I I feel unfortunately that I have to bring this stuff up because I know that the vultures on the other side will pounce on it if I don't. That's one of the reasons I, I get so I have to come out so rapidly with this stuff. Um, and then final point I'll make on on Uvalde. Look, y'all know that I I support what we've been doing in Ukraine. Um, I support uh, us helping the Ukrainians defend themselves from the Russians. But how about if we take some of the money that we've given the Ukrainians and use it for school security? Let's put durasteel fencing that is non-scalable around our schools. Let's put serpentine barriers on the entry and exit points that are paved. Let's have single points of entry into the schools. Now, that does not mean locking all the doors to where you can't get out if there's a fire. It means that the doors lock and cannot be opened from the outside, but can be opened from the inside if necessary. Let's have isolation doors in these schools. So if there is an incident, somebody can push a button and you can section off the school. And then lastly, yes, let's have vet veterans would be the best choice, but somebody armed guards, uh, plural at our schools, because as you know, and I know, we always operate on at least the buddy system in the military. You need at least a two man team, preferably three man team to be able to properly patrol, get threats, cover each other if something happens. And anyway, that's my rant about Uvalde. I know we need to move on because we've got some time constraints, but that I just wanted to put that out there. I appreciate that. My only, my only problem with what you said just now is that when I was in high school, I'm a little older than you. We'd roll up to the high school. By a lot. We'd roll up to the high school and we'd have our guns and our shotguns on our racks and our trucks. We had ammo. We'd bring the deer or elk we shot up to the uh, Mr. Kinnear because he knew how to grade them and stuff like that to see if we got into the the Pope and Young or the Boone and Crockett. And there was never a single incident, not one. No one. We were taught. We were taught responsible firearm firearm ownership. We all had to go through school to do it. Class, all that stuff. There wasn't a single teacher that ever would come out in that parking lot and looked in the back of somebody's truck and said, "Oh, you got a shotgun in your in your deal. You need to leave. You're getting suspended for the rest of." That never happened. It never happened. So, so my I deal with this, Russ, is I, I get what you're saying. You're mitigating. It's a societal breakdown. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, like it's, a, it's we, a core societal breakdown because we all had guns growing up. We all had them. I had lethal weapons. I had a thirty out six and a twelve gauge shotgun in my car at all times because I might have went hunting after high school. You never know, bro. Did I ever pull on anybody in my life? Fuck the fucking fuck no. Wouldn't have occurred to me. Hey, look, I know I'm going to take some grief from some folks in our audience on this, but you know. We've had societal breakdowns in terms of single parent household without a positive male uh, uh, figure of influence in the home. We have folks that are not going to church. And I know that sounds trite, but going to church, having having an actual moral upbringing can preclude a lot of this stuff. We need local communities coming back together, not at a national level. It's too big. You need communities looking after each other which we used to have but don't have anymore. Those are the longer-term societal implications that we need to get get into. And until we fix this societally, mitigation is going to be all we can do. So anyway. I get it. I get it. I just wanted to throw that in there. So you got to get out of here pretty quick. you got a hard time, don't you? Uh, About 10 minutes, yes. All right. So why don't you give us the breakdown? We were going to talk about a couple of – why don't we just go ahead and take on uh, Obi-Wan since you and I both watched it? Okay. Um, 
I was excited about this at first. I've watched the three episodes. Have you seen all three episodes? Yes, I, I have. I finished last night. I'm having some concerns. Me too. Uh, Me too. Big time. I, Big first time. First of all, the, I bet the you main villain. A couple of these concerns. I right, bet you. The main villain in this is a woman called Riva, uh, who has the title of third sister. Now, first of all, Disney forcing wokeness on us is saying that people don't like her because uh, they're racist. Um, no, people don't like her because she's a poorly written character and she plays it woodenly. Poorly okay? written cr- character with a really bad actress. Yeah, look, nobody had a problem. Terrible actress, look, by the way. We didn't have a problem with Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Window, and Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian was the coolest cat in the galaxy. Right, okay? we all love him. Yeah, so it wasn't. It, it's not a racial thing. She's a badly written character. Um, yeah, and from a continuity standpoint, the empire. She's a force. She's almost. She's basically a Jedi. She's force sensitive, dark Jedi. Right. The Empire would never have let her live. Okay. The Sith rule of two is in place for a reason. One to uh, embody power and one to crave it. Right. right. Dark Jedi's will go after power, as she's proving in this. Darth Vader would never let her survive. The Emperor would have killed her. She'd have been a part of the of Order sixty six. So I don't even know why she's around. Right. Um, and then Obi first. <sighs> I'm having some serious issues with this. Obi-Wan himself has been emasculated on several occasions. Oh, my God. Princess Leia oh. by look, Alec Guinness. This, kind is of a, where you and I, this is where you and I can absolutely talk about this. Yeah. I think Alec Guinness. They're making Obi-Wan out to be the biggest pussy on planet yeah. Earth. Look, Alec Guinness my was kind of detached. God. Yeah, Alec Guinness was kind of detached. He was cool. You know, he was confident. He was in control. And I get Obi-Wan would have a little bit of, bit of a breakdown after losing. But his whole point in going to Tatooine to begin with was to watch over Luke Skywalker. All right. Now he's being ordered around by a 10-year-old girl who does not have the seasoning she will in later life. And if this is the way Leia is Leia is growing up, that's the 10-year-old girl I'm talking about. Right. This is not the measured fighter who just happens to be feisty. This is a brat that is getting herself into dangerous situations just to be defiant. That's not the Leia that we grew up with. I totally the, agree. Totally agree. When Darth Vader made his appearance in the last episode, the two issues I have was first, Obi-Wan ran from the fight, um, which he wouldn't have done. Um, it's, I still don't believe that he wouldn't have known about Darth Vader. I mean, Darth Vader ran the galaxy in the as the avatar of the Emperor. Everyone would have known who he was because the Sith rule through fear. They would want everyone to know who he is. Yeah. They might not have wanted to know, folks to know he was Anakin Skywalker, but they would have wanted everyone to know that Darth Vader was in the picture. And then when when he was – look, I'm, I'm glad they brought James Earl Jones back to the voice. But when he's talking to Reva and he's saying, if you don't succeed, you won't live, Darth Vader would never come out and just said, if you don't succeed, I'll kill you. All right? He enjoyed – the intimidation of subtlety. He enjoyed people feeling that fear without him having to come out and flat out say it. I mean, even in Rogue One, the only Disney produced movie that's worth a shit, you know, Darth Vader never came out and told uh, director Krennic that he, he better succeed. He, he, he remember he said, don't choke on your aspirations. It's kind of like, Hey dude, keep this up. And I, then I right, will right, kill you. Right. But he right. didn't have to come out and say it. Um, I, I am, I'm going to keep watching just because I'm a Star Wars junkie, but they're, they're running this into the ground. And 
they're not I really don't think they're portraying it right. Let me before I go off on ten minutes more worth of rant, Coop, let me turn it over to you. Yeah, I I, I think we agree basically across the board. The fact that they have this brat little Leia being the main character. I think she's like supposed to be like Grogu was in the Mandalorian. Maybe. You know? And that's not what I wanted out of Obi-Wan. That's not what I wanted. I didn't want him to go babysit this little bitch. Um, and I agree with you on the Darth Vader thing. Um, they say that um, – what's his name? Christian – the guy, uh, Hayden Christensen. Hayden Christensen is going to play him. I haven't seen him yet, uh, apparently. Plus, who's behind the suit? <laughs> Great. Okay. How would we know that? But uh, – but, I just think Obi-Wan is acting like such a fucking pussy at every like with 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 Luke's uncle, who I like Joel Edgerton, by the way. I think yeah. he's a good actor and plays a good Ben. Um or what's his name? Owen. Owen, sorry. Owen, Owen Lars. My my apologies. Owen. Um I think he's good. But I think he's actually right too. Like when Owen takes on Kenobi and is like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, but I wanted to see a bigger blow up between them. I wanted them to actually argue over it so that you could understand the tension in a new hope. Right, 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 right. And then and then and he gets sucked into this other mission to defend Leia, and Leia's a little cunt. Yeah, I said the C word, I laid it down. There you go. Everybody's expecting it. But she's a little cunt bitch. And then Jimmy Smith is like, Oh, help me. Control my daughter. Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't know what to do. I was on NYPD Blue for three years, and now I have no fucking career. So help me help out my daughter. No, it's just, it's just, uh, it's not working for me, bro. It's not working. I thought it was going to be like him being really like into the mystique and then, you know, looking at Luke and then. Mentoring him a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe talking to somebody that trains him or something like that, or that kind of thing. But no, it's just straight on threats just outside of his view. Yes, and no, it's straight on. Obi Wan Kenobi is a pacifist pussy, and won't do a fucking thing. That's what I'm getting from this so far, and it's it's. Now they blew it. They blew it again. They blew it again. I like the Mandalorian first season. I did. Second season was kind of. Um. Yeah, this is not doing it for me, bro. It's not doing it for me so far. Hopefully they'll pick it up, but... And I love... I love... uh, I'm sorry. What's the actor's name that plays Obi-Wan Kenobi? Ewan McGregor. Yeah. I love him. Oh, he... He he did a great job. He was one of the few things that come out of the prequel trilogy... Yeah, no, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. But he's not giving anything to work with right now, in my opinion. It's just like, all right, so this little bitch is running around, scampering between my legs, and I got to be... You know, and, and it reminds me of what happened in the what what did John Favreau come over here and go? Here's what I did in the Mandalorian. Here, do the same thing for Obi Wan Kenobi, because and, it's kind of like that, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, well, like and remember at the end, not the end, near the end of Rogue One, when uh, Senator Organa was was going to head back to Alderaan and send Leia out to to help lead the attack and get the plans from Scarif. Right. Um, right. And I know, folks, we sound like a bunch of complete nerds here. I don't care. I don't we give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. We're talking. Uh, but uh, she, uh, Mon Mothma asked him, uh, would, do you trust her? And he said, I would trust her with my life. Well, that's only nine years before this. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. This is only nine years after this show. Are you telling me this is who he would trust his life with? She's going to mature 
from this in so much in nine years that you're willing to trust your life and yeah, the fate goes, of the galaxy to this? She goes from I don't being think just, so. a, just a just a self-important little she's like a Gen Z little bitch. Like she's got yeah. like everything and in it, her. It's disposal. not the actress. The actress is is playing the part like she like it's written. Oh, no, okay. no, no, no. The actress is fine. I'm talking about how it's written. This is the way it's written. Yeah, the no, way the whoever the, young, is whoever the young lady is playing Leia is fucking fantastic, by the way. Yeah, no, she's she's gotten down with their what they're laying out. But and, and this her being a bit of a brat might be more acceptable. Not the way that she's emasculated Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan should just turn around and say, hey, look, I'm in charge. Shut the fuck up and follow me. All right. right. But her playing a brat might be a little bit more acceptable if she was say five or six years old and she learned some harsh lessons. Okay. I get it. At the age of 10, a lot of core stuff has been formed that you're refining throughout your teenage years, but she doesn't have the level of seriousness. She doesn't have a level of discernment. She's got the feistiness, but it's gone from feistiness into bitchiness. Yeah. You know what happened was like uh, her dad, Jimmy Smith said, I had to replace David Caruso on NYPD blue. So I really apologize. And so I'm going to be really off my game here. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm not liking it so far, bro. And I thought it was going to be big. I thought it was going to be like, oh, Obi-Wan's like, you know, like that cowboy that lives on his own, like kind of the Clint Eastwood High Plains drifter. That's kind yeah, of I was, that's I was kinda, hoping for. That's I was I was picturing that. And it turns out he's a fucking pussy. He's a pacifist. And, and she is, like I said, she is, she has given him orders. I, I understand she is supposedly an Alderanian princess, but... He's a Jedi that's charged with rescuing her, and she's ordering him around all over the place. I mean, the yeah. only now the way he could have get it. the way he could have handled it a little bit better if he really wanted to put her back in his place is uh, when she asks about her mom. He could have said, "Well, you know, I really wanted to tap that. She was smoking hot. And by the by the way, by the end of his life, her, her, your dad was smoking hot too because I was the one that made him smoking hot." Um, <laughs> but, but he doesn't have the balls to do anything. Like that. Oh, I love that. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's my take on Obi-Wan. Yeah, hopefully it'll get a little bit better. I I think they're blowing it so far. I really do. Yeah. Now, I had say, high expectations because I know you weren't – you're not a big fan of The Mandalorian, are you? No, I do like The Mandalorian. I liked it through the end of when they had Luke show up at the end of the season two, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the the most recent thing with the, the book of Boba Fett, nah, not so much. Not a fan uh, of the book of Boba Fett. I, I really I wish Pedro Pascal had been fired. That. I really wish Pedro Pascal had been fired simply because of uh, they fired Gina Carano and everything Pedro Pascal put out was worse than what she put out, but he did it from the left. She did it from the right, so she got fired. Oh, really? I haven't paid attention to that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, now, and Gina Carano, Gina Carano is not only hot, She's actually a good actress and could fucking she would bend Pedro Pascal over her knee and fold him up like a fucking. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Um, so last thing I want to say uh, before we got to get ready to get out of here is, uh, folks, if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, go see it. Awesome movie. No woke sucker punches. Underlying patriotism. Warriors that are warriors. A throwback to the 80s action flicks. It's not a deep thinking movie. Turn your brain off and enjoy it and you'll have a lot of fun. I'm going to go see it here in about four days at a at a theater that's about 10 minutes away from me. So I'm looking forward to it. I have to see it. I have not – listen to this. This is fucking shitty, and I hate to admit this. I have not seen a theater movie since Ender's Game. Wow, that's shitty. Yeah. <laughs> the first, no, that was now, a good movie. That was a much it, better movie than people gave it credit for based on the 
Orson Scott card. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love the book better, but yeah, no, the movie was pretty good. Asa, Asa Butterworth. And that's the last, last movie I saw in a theater. Well, I, I went to I'm back to go see Top Gun Maverick. I went to theaters to see, uh, Venom, let there be carnage. Um, I had to go to see Spider-Man, uh, Dr. Strange and Morbius, and then had to go see Top Gun. Now I think, You'll as long as you're paying attention, the love interest of Tom Cruise's in this movie is a throwback to the opening of the original Top Gun. Uh, you'll understand it when you see it. Um, they they use Iceman, Jennifer Conley. Yeah, trust me. Who's one of the most beautiful women that's ever existed? By the way, yeah, she head. really is. She, she's the young look. I can't remember the the plot to career opportunities. I don't know she, that if I manufactured a woman from scratch that she would be better looking than Jennifer Conley or better. Yeah, form. she's she's yeah, she's exceptional, she's, and she seems and she's been exceptional for forty years or thirty yeah, years. Has. Excuse me, and she's still uh, beautiful as fuck. Yeah, yeah, but her her and un- as or, a unfortunately, you know who she's married to? No. Um, what's his face from uh, oh, from the Avengers? The uh, the dude with the oh, uh, Vision. Wanda Vision. She's married to Vision. Paul Bethany. Paul Bethany. Wow, I did did not know that. He's, He's a actually lucky guy. married to him, which pisses me off because I have no chance now. I, I'm sure that without him in the picture, you'd have just been right up oh, there. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. She'd be pregnant with my our sixth child by now. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> there, there's, it's all about, uh, machismo. There's, there's some stuff with Goose's kid in there, but it doesn't try to give a, a deep message. It doesn't try to sucker punch you with, you know, a, a transvestite pilot that, you know, is mourning oh. the loss of his dog. Um, oh, Hey, it, wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you, is Miles Teller his kid? Is that Goose's kid? Yeah. Rooster. All right. Does it come out in the film? Because I yes. heard that it. I heard it that it doesn't come out in the film. It does. You, well, you know from the beginning because Maverick's got a picture of him. And Teller pulls off Goose's mannerisms. Even Teller, even Teller is combat, a great actor. He's a great actor, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but even one of the scenes in combat um, when they have to – I don't want to give anything away, but there's some stuff they have to do. And he pulls off Goose's lines from the original movie. I mean, just – Nice. I can't all, wait. I can't all, wait. All I can't wait. Almost in the voice of Goose. It is. I gotta. I gotta wait a few more days till my till my movie buddy comes back from her business trip. But I can't wait. Yeah, I'm go see it. Really You'll good. have a lot of fun. Um, like I said, it's our, not our buddy, our buddy uh, Eric Mocker, um, who I can say Eric Mocker now that he's retired. Yeah. Mock Mock Forty Seven. He said it's one of the best movies he's ever seen in his life. Well, I, it's a it's a nostalgic movie. I don't know if it's one of the best, but you gotta remember. Top Gun, the original, was a product of the Reagan era. It was all about the Ronald Reagan era, and this it is was. almost like this is this is just like that. Um, it's now they they handled Tom Cruise's maturation, you know, well. Um, and, and like I said, Iceman makes an appearance in it briefly. Nice, um, that's really cool. Um, John Hamm plays a complete prick of an admiral uh, and really? a pilot. That's that's really good. John Hamm. No, I love John Hamm. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, it's a fun movie. I think I've seen two movies since I started going back to the movies because they opened them up again post COVID. The two movies that have that have been the best, the only two that I've truly liked, have been uh, Top Gun: Maverick and Spider Man: No Way Home. Uh, the others have all had some issues. 
All right. We've been on for a long time, and I'll let you get to your life, buddy. Okay. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. And uh, y'all have a great evening, and I will see y'all never. Everybody, it's Coop from the Two Grumpy Bastards podcast. Just want to encourage you guys to come on over and take a look at us at the Two Grumpy Bastards Facebook group. And we're having having a lot of fun over there. Lots of memes, some discussion. Not really a lot of discussion. Mostly our raunchy humor and our barbs and our sarcasm. But I would also really appreciate you folks taking a look at our merchandise page. TwoGrumpyBastardsMerchandise.com Where you can get some really great wokeless, patriotic, and anti-woke t-shirts, mugs, hats, etc. And we uh, are expanding our line all the time. Believe it or not, we also have an Etsy page. Yes, Etsy. I'm serious about that. Come on over and check us out on Etsy. Uh, what, where else are we? Oh, of course, we're on Instagram, Two Grumpy Bastards. Uh, we're, we're there, and I post there quite a bit. We do have a Twitter page, which I must admit I have been ignoring quite a bit, but if Elon Musk ever gets off his ass and actually buys that damn place, you'll see a lot more going on over there as well. So, that being said, you can also sponsor us on Patreon. Yes, you can sponsor us on Patreon. Patreon.com, Two Grumpy Bastards. You can find us over there. Uh, what's the last thing I want to tell you? Oh, yeah. If you want to contact us, you can contact us through social media outlets, of course. But we do have an email where we often read our fan mail. Well, I get fan mail. Russ doesn't, but that's okay. I encourage some of you to send some condolences to Russ over there. It's twogrumpybastards at gmail.com. Really appreciate your help. This uh, machine, this juggernaut of truth and anti-wokeness, wokelessness is uh, all over the place, but we would really appreciate your help. This costs quite a bit, and I'm really poor. So, uh, Russ isn't, but he doesn't get any of the money. Kidding. No, we really appreciate your support. Do come on over and join us. Join the discussion. If you uh, can't support us financially, we appreciate the moral support, and we're going to keep chugging along and try to bring you as much awesome content as possible. So, until then, keep your focus and stay woke. Let's...